This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, October 24th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. The moving van is a more decisive and powerful statement than an election ballot. So says Ilya Soman, author of Democracy and Political Ignorance. We discussed his recent USA Today piece on the key differences between people who vote at the polls and those who vote with their feet. You write in USA Today that mobility matters a lot more than uh, voting. And explain what you mean by that. It matters more for people's political freedom. We tend to think that the ultimate expression of political freedom is voting at the ballot box. But in reality, most voters are almost completely powerless because the chance of any one vote affecting the outcome of an election is infinitesimally small, about one in 60 million in a presidential election, for example. On the other hand, when you vote with your feet by deciding which city or state or locality to live in, then you're making a choice that actually matters, and so therefore foot voting is often a much better way to express your political preferences, a more effective way than ballot box voting is. There is a lot of variation in policies between different cities and also between different states, whether on tax policy, employment policy, land use, and many, many other things. Uh, And people routinely make decisions about where they want to live, at least in part based on those kinds of policies. Charles Tibu is famous for the, I guess the phrase, what is attributed to him, voting with your feet. And uh, so people choose these bundles of goods and services. But is this an argument that voting is irrelevant? I don't claim it's completely irrelevant. Obviously, in the aggregate, it has effects. I do claim that it's a less effective way of expressing people's political freedom. In addition, it's important to recognize that ballot box voters tend to be less well-informed than foot voters, precisely because it makes so little difference in most cases what any one voter does. There is very little incentive for ballot box voters to get good information about the issues they're voting on. And in fact, numerous studies and polls show that people know very little about government and public policy. By contrast, people devote much more effort to figuring out information and acquiring it when they decide where they want to live and how to vote with their feet. Because there's only this tangential relationship between your vote and some policy that will affect you. Yes, there's only perhaps perhaps a one chance in many millions or at least in hundreds of thousands that your vote will actually affect the outcome of an election. By contrast, when you decide where you want to live, there's a very high likelihood that your decision will actually make a difference. So uh, your argument then would be we should make mobility as easy as possible. So what what contributes to that? Yes, yeah, so several things. In particular, in recent years, we've made mobility unnecessarily difficult for people in several ways. Uh, one is that in many cities, there's severely restrictive zoning, which artificially drives up the housing, the cost of housing by as much as 50 percent in uh, many of the more desirable cities. Uh, and because of this, if the price of housing is very high, often the poor and the lower middle class are priced out of the market. In addition, restrictive licensing has made mobility extremely difficult. Uh, in recently, uh, the Brookings Institution estimates that almost 30 percent of Americans have to have a license to just to do their jobs, including such unlikely jobs as hair braiding uh, and designing coffins and so forth. Uh, and this makes mobility more difficult because usually the licensing is on a state-by-state basis. 
basis. So even if you already know how to do a particular job, often you have to go through a very onerous process to get a license in a new state, uh, and that's very burdensome for people, especially those who are relatively poor. States compete along this, these dimensions of uh, availability of jobs, of tax base, and things like that. Why isn't the situation more uniform across states if, if they do compete for people that way? They do compete, but the pressure to compete is sometimes offset by other pressures, such as the desire to reward powerful interest groups within the state. In the case of zoning, often powerful developers and others who like the fact that it's hard to build new housing because then only those with political connections like themselves can do it. Donald Trump's career is one example of this phenomenon. Uh, in addition, the same thing is true with licensing. Uh, often restrictive licensing protects incumbents in a given industry from competition, and those people often have political influence. So I agree, in the absence of interstate competition, these problems would probably be even worse than they are now, but interstate competition has not been a complete cure for them. Okay, so what is the federal role then? Uh, I think uh, the federal government can do a couple of things. One is federal courts can start to take economic liberties protected by the 14th Amendment and other parts of the Constitution more seriously and strike down some of these laws. Second, the federal government provides cities and states with a great deal of funding for many kinds of programs. Uh, it could make some of the funding conditional on not doing uh, the sorts of things that I outlined, not having these sorts of restrictive policies. Uh, finally, uh, I think in many areas of policy, the federal government uh, can uh, strengthen foot voting simply by doing fewer things itself, because the general rule, the more issues are decided at the state or the local level, as opposed to federal level, the more issues are open for choice by foot voting. So, but the, hasn't the federal government made certain funding conditional on doing policies that might have harmed mobility? Uh, yes, that's certainly true. In some cases, one can make an argument, and actually have made this argument in some of my work, that we would be better off with a crackdown on federal conditional spending generally and just have few or no conditions or, in general, uh, actually fewer federal grants to state governments. However, as a realistic matter, we are going to have at least a substantial amount of federal grants to state governments for the foreseeable future. Uh, and many of the them, in fact, virtually all are likely to be conditional. So given that, we might as well condition some of them on uh, things that are beneficial as opposed to harmful. You're speaking really to the problem of voting generally, which is you're really not, don't have a strong incentive to know a great deal about what's going on because ultimately your vote doesn't matter that much. Yes, that's right. That's the fundamental problem of what scholars call rational political ignorance, because the chance that your vote will make a difference is so little. It's actually rational, even for very smart people often, uh, to be poorly informed about politics. And by the way, as I discuss in my book, Democracy and Political Ignorance, often it's rational for them to be very biased in the way they evaluate the political information that they do know. 
uh, I think that once we recognize that mobility is essential to political freedom, especially uh, even by comparison with ballot box voting, I think that should be an important reorientation of the way that we think about a wide variety of issues. I mentioned already zoning and licensing, but it's also important for more general questions about the scope of federal power because, as I mentioned earlier, the more issues are controlled by the federal government, the more it will tend to undermine your ability to vote with your feet. Uh, I would also note, perhaps lastly, on this particular point, that uh, often you can vote with your feet even more effectively in the private sector than in the public one. So if certain services and goods are provided by the private sector, often you can change providers without even physically moving from one city or one state to another. Uh, and so devolution of power to the private sector often enhances foot voting even more than political decentralization does. You talk about moving from city to city, but it seems that a whole lot of young people for many years now have decided to move from rural to urban, which makes a lot of the decisions that you're talking about a lot easier. That's true to some extent, but there are many different urban localities in the country, uh, and therefore potentially uh, a good range of possible options. Moreover, while people move from rural to urban when they're very young and still single, uh, many studies suggest that those same people often tend to move to the suburbs as they get older and they decide they want to have kids, as uh, I have done in recent years. Uh, and therefore, uh, in many urban areas, there's often uh, a variety of different suburbs to choose from, uh, and that potentially increase the choice. Ilya Soman is author of Democracy and Political Ignorance, Why Smaller Government is Smarter. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.